You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the network, its advertisers, owners, or sponsors. Good afternoon. Uh, today is April 14th, 2018. I'm your host, Virgil Ferrix. Welcome to Conversations and Meditations. So uh, first thing I'd like to get started with today is just get to kind of where the show's going to be going today and what I'm going to be talking about and kind of giving you why I think it's important. So uh, today we're going to talk about uh, Socrates, uh, more specifically the Socratic method. So first thing, I'd like to give a definition uh, – Pedagogy, it's, that's the art or science of teaching, education, and structural method. Um, and Socrates and the Socratic method was one of the foundational things that you know, is used when talking about this science. So you know, I, I definitely think people should care about philosophy and care about where this stuff comes and the foundational people and thinkers out there that made these things up. You know, um, Socrates, you know, he said the only true wisdom in, uh, in knowing uh, is uh, you know nothing. And uh, through that, he wanted to still go out there and find the truth and find knowledge through reason, through logic, through evidence. And, um, you know, and the way to do that is using those tools to get to the truth. So let's get started and talk a little bit about the Socratic, uh, Socratic questioning, which is you know, also known as Socratic, the Socratic method and critical thinking and its connectivity. You know, uh, thinking is driven by questions. You know, you have no questions. Uh, you have no understanding. And, you know, questions guide our thinking. You know, um, you know what, is, what is Socratic questioning in general? What is, what is critical thinking? What is the relationship between Socratic questioning and critical thinking? How can, these, how can this, uh, you know, understanding of critical thinking help us improve our ability to question? You know, how can we help each other develop Socratic questioning abilities? You know, and really the main thing I want to do right now is define Socratic questioning. So the Socratic method is a rigorous examination process that helps you deeply contemplate questions and cultivate debate among those with opposing or inconsistent viewpoints. It's often used to stimulate people to think critically about what they believe and why they believe it, which in theory should lead them to better ideas and better understanding of what is truth. What is true? You know, and Socratic questioning is, is disciplined questioning, you know, disciplined questioning that can be used to explore thought in many directions and for many different purposes. You know, and some of these purposes uh, include to explore complex ideas, to get to the truth of things, you know, right down to the matter, to open up issues and problems, to unpack, you know, certain issues and problems, to, to uncover the assumptions of each other's opinions, to analyze concepts, to really get down to what these things actually mean, you know, to distinguish what we know from what we don't know, you know, and to follow out you know, our logical implications of, of our thought, 
So that's what Socratic questioning is used for. Um, you know, and, and the key difference between Socratic questioning and just questioning in general is that, you know, Socratic questioning is always systemic and deep, focusing on complex concepts, principles, like I mentioned in the second episode, theories, issues, or problems. You know, and the Socratic questioning may or may not be self-directed. It's usually done orally rather, rather than in a written form, you know, so more so in a conversation than in a, you know, a, a letter or some type of uh, paper or article. You know, so it, this goes from teachers, students to really anybody can construct Socratic questioning and engage in a Socratic dialogue. Um, when we use Socratic questioning in our, uh, you know, our purpose may be to probe an individual's thinking, to really see where they're coming from. You know, I, I want to see where I want to get a better explanation of where their viewpoint is originating from. You know, and the second thing can, you know, you can do is to determine the extent of an individual's knowledge on a given topic, issue, or subject. So if you end up getting into a pretty heated debate with somebody and you want to understand, you know, you talk about, a, you know, a subject like uh, intelligence or you talk about uh, psychology and you want to, you know, understand the extent of the person you're talking to and, and their, uh, you know, specific knowledge in the, on the topic, you would use Socratic questioning to do this. Or, you know, it can, it can uh, to help, you know, people analyze a concept or a line of reasoning. You know, and in the end, I want people to learn that, you know, the discipline of Socratic questioning so that they can begin to use it, uh, in, you know, in reasoning through complex issues, understanding and assessing the thinking of themselves and others in following out the implications of what they and others think. Because I, I truly think, you know, we talked last time I was here about um, how to disagree kindly. You know, I talked about uh, Paul Graham's method of disagreement, you know, the hierarchy of disagreement. And I also went and talked about Marshall Rosenberg and his whole understanding of conversation and listening to one another and how important listening can be to getting somewhere. So this is the next level, the next step in listening, the next level in reasoning and the next level in uh, disagreement. So um, – that's, you know, and, you know, you, I want also, you know, an understanding and assessing the, you know, thinking, I want people to think for themselves. And, you know, uh, I want them to, you know, after they make their, after they get their thoughts out and they truly understand where they're coming from, you know, then to live out their thoughts and live out their, uh, their ideals and values in, in their action. So I think, you know, the approach should be twofold, you know, when you do, when you do this, you know, it, to deeply probe a person's thinking to help them to distinguish what they know, what they or understand, you know, from what they don't know or don't understand, you know. And, and the second approach to this would be to foster a person's ability to question Socratically. You know, I want people to emulate and begin to use this in everyday life so they can get to the truth in the matter of things. You know, and uh, a little information on Socrates. I mean, obviously, most of you have heard of Socrates in one way or another. He is the founder and the father of uh, Western philosophy. You know, he was a Greek philosopher and teacher who lived from uh, 470 BC to uh, 399 uh, BCE um, and uh, – or BC. Uh, he believed the best way to teach and learn was through discipline rigorous questioning. You know, and this is how he developed his method. You know, Socrates thought that people learn best not by being told what to believe or to do, but by being guided through questioning to what made most sense to believe or do. He often used the questioning to help people see either – that uh, they, what they said uh, they believed and they did uh, – actually did not in fact believe that because it didn't square with their behavior or that uh, what they said they believed was conceptually unsound or illogical. So he did this many, many times and obviously um, Socrates didn't write anything. Most of the accounts of Socrates was uh, written by his students, uh, most famously Plato in the Socratic Dialogues. 
if you want to get some more uh, background to some of the stuff I'm talking about. And I think giving the history to this is, is truly important so you understand where the fundamentals, where the method is coming from and how old and how long this has been around. Yet this isn't really talked about very common. You don't see this very often used in debates on TV and debates on news and all these other things, on, on print even. So, you know, um, Socrates was fundamentally concerned then with the soundness of reasoning, with getting closer and closer to the truth in any given situation. He was more interested in the process of learning for him, the questioning process, than in reaching conclusions. So, you know, that, that also is analogous to what's going on today. It's very true that the soundness of reasoning and uh, people not, uh, you know, this is a post-truth society. I mean, people have been saying these types of things. It's it's scary when you when you try to find truth in things and you get these types of uh, disheartening uh, statements like it's a post-truth society and the soundness of reasoning has significantly lowered and gone closer and closer to uh, complete non-thinking. So it's important to to understand that this method is meant to do what or it's meant to heal some of the things we're going through right now, but it was also meant to heal some of the things they were going through in Athens back then. And it's it's amazing to see how something so fundamental and something so uh, great can be used in any time and any place. You know, and Socrates was comfortable with complexities, confusion, perplexities, and uncertainties. He was known for the clarity of his thought, the sharpness of his mind, the way in which he opened up questions for debate and discussion – uh, you know, he had a, he had an energy to expand his mind. He had a willingness to go out there and reason. And uh, but the, the beautiful thing about it, he also did that to help others do the same and to find uh, truth in things. And you know, in Athens in 399 uh, BC, Socrates was accused, indicted, and ultimately put to death for two reasons. First reason was introducing and believing in gods other than those sanctioned by the state. Though some accuse Socrates of atheism, all evidence points in the opposite direction, evidenced in part by the fact that Socrates believed in the afterlife. And two, uh, corrupting the youth by fostering their intellectual development, encouraging them to question their status quo. So you could see how uh, ancient Athens was not very pro-free speech <laughs> and uh, took it to a, such an offense that they decided to put the man to, to death. So to, to understand the philosophy of Socrates is to consider the question to what extent was Socrates a fact, in fact, a threat to the state? You know, and according to the uh, Encyclopedia of Philosophy, uh, there was a reason for fearing Socrates as a social force where the excellence in terms of how to make best of oneself's life in a rational, in a rational way, um, education and state were used, were fused in one image. An educator critical of uh, received assumptions was revolutionary. You know, this type of thinking was not accepted. It wasn't part of the norm. It wasn't the status quo. It challenged, uh, you know, existing power structures. It made people nervous because for the first time, people started to actually think for themselves and develop individual thought, individual opinion through rigorous training and through rigorous questioning using the tools of reason, logic, and evidence. And, so, you know, Socrates was not only, you know, publicly uh, – Raised the fundamental questions of what's you know what, who's who are teachers and what is important and all these other things, but by creating he created a climate of questioning and doubt. He was suspected uh, by the conservative minds of the dangerous game of discomforting all the authority before a circle of impressionable use and subtracting from the state stability of tradition. So he challenged the direct tradition. He challenged the norms. And this is what we see in all types of culture. You see it from, you know, Western culture to, you know, my uh, culture, ethnic culture. You see that there's times and moments where 
the group overall, the tradition in this case, is dictating how individuals should live. So this was a total anathema to individual rights and to individual freedom. So uh, – and that was obviously before those things were founded in the Enlightenment, which used Socrates and the other uh, ancient uh, philosophers to get to the places we got to today and the progress we continue to have. Um, it was also apparent that the values in which Socrates lived, his indifference to material wealth and prosperity and success, his freedom from desire and ambition, you know, this this made the politicians and the people up in power feel like, oh, who's this holier-than-thou guy? Uh, you know, and it, it it made them look like they were compromising on their principles that they spoke in public. So, you know, it seems clear that Socrates attempted to develop a systemic method of discipline questioning that could be emulated. By studying the Socratic dialogues, we can, you know, explicate uh, the components and process uh, that Socrates developed and practiced. In fact, it's uh, if we are to emulate the intellectual skills and dispositions of Socrates, it's important to delineate as clearly and as precisely as we can to, uh, the dialectic method he advocated, you know, breaking this stuff down. And um, Socratic method, you know, as practiced by Socrates can be outlined as follows. Um, one, the best thing to teach is through dialectic reasoning or question and answer process. This process should be the primary teaching method so that students practice or people or anybody. And, you know, Socrates talked about when he had conversations with his students, it wasn't a lecture. He would have conversations. So at times he was the teacher and uh, he was going through this type of questioning and questioning the student. And at times they would question him. And uh, but rarely that happened, but it did happen later on, uh, as you'll read in the dialogues. But uh, you know this this is the primary this is the primary teaching method that he believed. You know so that people can practice for many years uh, pursuing answers to questions in a disciplined methodological way. You know Socrates' dialogues are usually focused on a specific complex concept or question, like the uh, you know afterlife or something like this, and exemplify a disciplined form of conceptual analysis. Now, the Socratic method three, the Socratic method also involves two primary processes, the destructive and constructive process. In the destructive process, ideas formally held dear to the student are shown to be illogical or, you know, otherwise unsound. In, in other words, you know, the student comes to realize the flawed nature of his reasoning, the flaw in his arguments, the flaw in his beliefs. In the constructive process, you know, the quote-unquote student is encouraged to replace the flawed thinking with logical or justifiable thinking. And we'll get to logical and justifiable thinking later on. Um, and four, you know, Socrates often attempted to help the student, you know, uncover self-deception in his thinking. And this is really important. This process oh, – this provides evidence that Socrates was aware of self-deceptive nature of human thought. And this is interesting. You know, self-deceptive nature of human thought is something that can, has been studied by uh, neuroscientists and psychologists alike. And it's amazing to see that people so long ago understood the nature of – the uh, the human thought and how sometimes we can have a self-deceptive nature and lie to ourselves and try to convince ourselves of things that are not true and are not really part of uh, our value system. So, uh, you know, in five, a primary goal uh, is to formulate principles by which we live, which to live, principles that emerge out of deep conceptual understanding. So you find the principles, you know, what makes a good life, you find that by, you know, deep conceptual understanding. Uh, and six, the method uh, focuses on a deep understanding of concepts through a careful use of analogies in and to the answers. 
So, you know, what's the general relationship between Socratic dialogue, you know, the Socratic questioning and critical thinking? You know, critical thinking and questioning uh, both for uh, both share a common end. You know, uh, critical thinking gives one a comprehensive view of uh, how the mind functions, you know, in its pursuit of meaning and truth. And the Socratic questions take advantage of the overview, you know, to frame questions essentially to the quality of that pursuit. Um, the goal of critical thinking is to establish an uh, additional level of thinking to our own thinking, you know, a powerful inner voice of reason to monitor, uh, assess, and reconstitute in the more rational direction our thinking, feeling, and action. Um, so, uh, Socratic di uh, discussions cultivate that inner voice through an explicit focus on systemic or systematic, excuse me, systematic, deep, disciplined questioning. You know, and, and I said earlier, thinking is is driven by questions. And questions define tasks, goals, you know, they express problems and uh, delineate issues. Answers, on the other hand, often signal a full stop in thought. That's it. We have the answer. It's done. And, uh, you know, only when an answer generates a further question does that continue its life uh, and continue with the conversation going. So uh, this is why it's true that only people who have questions are really thinking and learning. And, uh, and I really mean that and I really think that's – that's true in all times and all places. If you have questions, if you're trying to learn, you're trying to do better, if you're trying to improve and trying to figure things out, you are trying to learn. You are trying to get to a next level. And that's commendable. And uh, people should uh, pat themselves on the back and really reala realize that that's the best way to live because it, it focuses your life in a direction that is centered towards the truth. So, you know, the deep questions drive our thought underneath the surface of things, you know, force us to deal with the complexity of the world. You know, questions of purpose force us to define our goals, you know, and our tasks in life. You know, questions of information force us to look at our sources of information as well as the quality of the information, especially today in the, in the age of uh, fake news and, uh, you know, all this uh, other crazy stuff going on. You know, questions of interpretation force us to examine how we're organizing or giving meaning to information we have. You know, in contrary to the postmodernist claim that there is an infinite amount of interpretations and all of them are valid, you know, Socrates would say that that's not true. There is evidence, there is reason, there is logic, and you will use these tools to find which interpretation on which evidence or information is correct and which is accurate. You know, questions of assumption force us to, you know, examine what we're, what we're taking for granted. You know, questions of implication force us to follow out where our thinking of where our thinking is going generally, you know, and questions of point of view force us to examine our own, in our own point of view and to consider the relevant points of view in the discussion and in the world at large. Things you know that might uh, be more subjective, you know, because points of view a lot of the time are based on subjective experience. But it's important to, to consider these things and put them into your reasoning. You know, and questions of relevance, you know, force us to discriminate. What does and what does not bear on, on a question? You know, what's what's important, what's not important? How how much of this is really uh, you know relevant to the discussion? You know, and questions of accuracy force us to evaluate and test for truth and correctness. Um, and you know, being accurate in your speech and in your thought and in your intentions is the most important thing. And uh, this is how we have to get to it, you know. And um, you know, questions of precision force us to give details and be specific in our thoughts and our action. You know, we ha we can be accuracy. We can have accuracy, um, but we don't have precision in the way we give the details and the way we specify 
our thoughts, it can really come out the wrong way. Um, and questions of consistency, you know, force us to examine our, our thinking for our contradictions and our biases and, you know, really force us to look at the things that make us tick and where our assumptions come from and force us to check our assumptions. You know, and questions of, of logic force us to consider how we are putting the whole of our thought together to make sure that it all adds up and makes sense with a reasonable system of some kind, you know, and that's, that's an essential, is an essential thing. You know, and uh, some of the key questions um, can be how you know, how can we bring critical thinking into everything we do in life effectively and efficiently, so that critical thinking becomes an essential part of what we do, rather than something we add to other stuff we already think and we have to do, and all you know, all this other stuff. You know, um, why should why should we bring critical thinking into our into our work, into our schooling, into our lives, into our relationships? You know, what's the relationship between critical thinking and education? Um, what does it mean to be an educated person? You know, these are these are all relevant questions. You know, what is an intellectual skill? You know, uh, that you know should should what you know what intellectual skill should a person should an individual learn in their life? You know, how can we learn these skills? You know, these these are important questions to ponder in order to find a system and find a way to get the truth. And you know, Socratic questioning and Socratic dialogue clearly is. Um, one of the foundational and you know most principled ways to do this, and you know how can you? And the main thing of this is how can I approach others as thinkers, thinking their way through life, rather than just a talking head screaming at me their thoughts. You know how can I approach others as thinkers so that you know I learn and they learn to actively construct their ideas and their you know and their thinking and my thinking. You know it's this is a lot of this is also about respect and um, you know hearing the other person out. Thinking about your questions, you, know, you have to think about the questions. You know, but the standards of reasoning. You know, um, the first is clarity. You know, understandable. Uh, the meaning can be grasped. You know, accuracy from free from error or distortions. True, precision. You know, exact to the necessary level of detail. You know, relevance relating to the matter at hand. Depth containing complexities and interrelationships. Breadth. You know, uh, involving multiple viewpoints. Logic. The parts that make sense together, no contradictions. Uh, significance, focusing on the important, you know, not trivial stuff. And fairness, justifiable, not self-serving, not egocentric, not trying to win like we talked about last time. You know, and, and with clarity, you know, some of the questions you would ask, you know, we talk about Socratic questioning. You know, here's some of the questions you can ask. Could you elaborate further? Could you give me an example? You know, this is for clarity. This is the first thing you'd do. Um, could you illustrate what you mean? And then from there, the person would tell you. And then you'll be able to understand where they're coming from and they will, you know, saying what they have to say will be able to figure out where they're coming from instantly and they'll be able to – sometimes you watch it happen when you ask these questions and the person is saying their stuff that's coming out of their mouth and they're realizing, OK, wow, this is what I actually believe. OK. So I think, you know, for clarity's sake, that's really important. And then the next questions are for accuracy's sake. You know, um, once they tell you, once they, you know, they elaborate on their, on their, you know, example or they give you an example, um, you could say, how can we check on that? How can we find out that this is true? How can we verify or test that? You know, this is um, something that comes into, you know, well, the person would say, well, I just know. Well, from there, obviously, you know, the person is not accurate and the person is shooting from the hip. But if the person says, well, there's a bunch of studies and there's a bunch of reasoning out there that 
uh, is agreement with uh, with my point of view and my viewpoint, well, then, you know, from there we can move on and the conversation can continue. Um, you know, the next, you know, next thing is uh, precision. Could you be more specific? You know, these are the questions. Uh, could you give me more details? Could you be more exact? You know, and this is when, you know, the person should, uh, you know, bring up some evidence, you know, uh, should just start justifying their claims like we talked about in uh, How to Disagree kindly the last episode um th- with these claims you know you're able to get precise and be detailed and give the the uh, the questioner you know the um what they need to know in order to understand your point of view and for the person questioning these questions that you ask them uh, will will give you a chance to see if their if their thoughts are actually well reasoned and there's evidence behind it or if this is just something they shoot from the hip and this is something they they believed Based on their feelings, you know, and their emotions, rather than their reason. Relevance, you know, the, the questions of relevance. How does that relate to the problem? How does that bear on the question? How does that help us with the issue? Um, these questions, you know, help us understand that, you know, where the conversation is going. You know, these you have to see how this, how all this, what the, what the other person is saying, other person is telling you. You have to be able to say, well, okay, whatever you're telling me, how does this relate to the problem we're at hand? You know, how does this even uh, – how does it even deal with the issue? How does it even involve? What are the interrelationships? Um, with depth, you know, you know uh, some of the questions are, you know, what factors makes this a difficult problem? What are some of the complexities of, the que- of this question? What are some of the difficulties we need to deal with? You know, um, when you get into the depth, you know, questions, you're, you're now into the real heart and meat of what the person actually thinks and – why the person thinks this is an issue and why these uh, why their point of view is um, so important to them you know in the, in the breath you 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 know do we need to look at this from another perspective you know these questions are very important because at this point you've heard what they had to say you know you've heard their point of view but it's important to say hey do maybe your perspective is interesting and it's important but have you thought of it from the other other point of view you know have you considered another person's point of view do you do you look at this in any other way or is this the only way you look at this or do we need to look at this another way? You know, do we need to look at some another point of view or another angle? So in the, you know, another perspective, I mean, this is, these are interesting questions to ask somebody after they give you what they believe because it shows you whether or not they're open to, you know, um, other arguments. It shows you whether they're open to listening rather than just like, okay, I'm done. This is it. You know, and then, you know, the questions of logic after that, you know, uh, does all this make sense together? You know, everything you've, everything we've covered, all these questions, all these answers you've given me, does this all make sense? You know, does your first, does your first thought fit with, fit in with your last thought, you know, in your sentence, uh, in your, in your, in your whole spiel? You know, does your, do you, uh, does what you say follow the evidence? You know, does what you, you know, follow the evidence and also does it follow what you believe in your action? Does it follow your actions in your everyday life? You know, and then significant questions, the significance questions. Is this the most important problem to consider? Is this the central idea to focus on? Which of these facts are more important? You know, and this is, this helps us, you know, get to, this is, you know, we talked about the disagreements that we have, you know, the minor disagreements, the narcissism of small differences, as uh, Sigmund Freud put it. And, uh, you know, these questions of uh, significance are very interesting because, they allow the conversation to go into an interesting point, uh, an interesting place where the person is now prompted to say, well, you know, this is a problem, but there's a lot of problems. And then from there, they can 
truly understand, you know, the hierarchy of issues and problems in the world and they can figure out what they need to be worried about or anxious about and what they don't need to be worried about or anxious about, you know. And the uh, last thing for the reasoning is fairness, you know. Uh, do I have any vested interest in this issue or in, in this, you know, in this point of view? Am I sympathetically representative of the viewpoints of others? You know, am I not? Am I uh, completely bigoted to other people's viewpoints? I mean, these are important questions to ask people um, and understand where they're coming from. Um, a, a you know a critical a critical thinker you know considers you know considers the elements of thought. You know, points of view is you know your frame of reference, your perspective, your orientation. You know, the purpose of the thinking is you know goal oriented, objective oriented, and um, you know uh, questions at the issue. You know, you're looking at the problem. You know, the information, the data, the observations, the facts, the experiences that we get and that we, you know, we, we talk through and we deal with each other through these conver- conversations, um, you know, implications and consequences of points of views and, and certain things, you know, assumptions, presuppositions, uh, taking things for granted, um, you know, all these things are part of the elements of thought, you know, and concepts, theories, laws, models, uh, definitions, principles, um, you know, and then uh, interpretation and inference, you know, conclusions and solutions. This is all – this all makes up of what the, thought, what the elements of thought are. What is, the, what, is it, what is the core of a critical thinker? And all these things, the point of view, the purpose of the thinking, the questions, of the, questions at the issue, finding the information, interpretation and inference, you know, having concepts, having assumptions and checking them. You know, having implications and understanding their consequences, this is all what makes a person a critical thinker. You know, and you know, understanding, you know, key concepts through through questions. You know, to understand any concept well, you must understand its opposite. And take, for example, the concept of cooperation, right? To understand when we should not cooperate, is it as a, is it as important as understanding when we should cooperate? Um, right? Uh, if we if we were to grasp the conceptual meaning of cooperation. Yet too often, uh, children are simply told to cooperate. You know, when you're a kid, you're told, hey, just cooperate, as if cooperation is always desirable. Though a Socratic dialogue, through Socratic dialogue, you know, we can help, you know, people begin to, you know, think critically about this concept. So, you know, a Socratic dialogue when it comes to cooperation will look something like this. What does it mean to be cooperative? Can you think of a time when you cooperated? Please, you know, explain that further. Can anyone else, you know, think of a time when you co-op, when you cooperated? Is it just you who think that? You know, uh, should you cooperate with your parents? If so, why? Should you cooperate with your teachers? If so, why? Should you cooperate with your friends? If so, why? Now, this is how a Socratic dialogue would go, and you'd have to give answers, and you'd have to give your reasoning on the dot. That's how it is, and it's really engaging. You know, uh, another question is here. You know, should you always cooperate? When should you uh, and when should you not? When people want to go along, want you to go along with something that you think is wrong, you, should you uh, should you cooperate? What if people call you names if you refuse to cooperate? Should you cooperate then? You know uh, what would be what would the world be like if no one ever cooperated with each other? What would it be like if everyone always cooperated? You know, or uh, you might get you might focus on the concepts. You know, talking about the elements of thinking. You know, uh, a concept like language. You might ask a question <coughs> excuse me. You might ask a question like, what is language? You know, can people communicate with each other when they don't understand each other's language? You know, what are the pur- what is the purpose of language? What are words? 
Can we use our words to hurt people, to help people? Um, what would it be like if we didn't have words? What would life, would life have meaning without words? You know, and you can focus on another concept, you know, to break this down. Focus on the concept of friends or friend. You know, what does it mean to be a friend? How do you know when someone is your friend? Can someone be nice to you and not be your friend? Can someone tell you things you might not want to hear and still be your friend? Is it possible for someone not to play with you or to be or go out with you or hang out with you or anything of this and be not and still be your friend? What is the difference between a friend, a classmate, a work buddy? Um, what are, what are these differences? Can your parent be a friend? Is it important to have friends? You know, uh, if someone is not your friend, how should you treat him or her? Is it possible to be friendless? How would you feel if you were friendless? Have you ever refused to be someone's friend when he or she wanted you to be one? What is the difference between a friend and an enemy? Is it possible for someone to try to injure you and still be your friend? You know, uh, these are, these are, these are, these are things that Socrates would say to people when bringing these topics up, you know, and focusing on different things. And he liked, he liked to focus on concepts. And I think that's a really good place. You know, science, that's another interesting concept. You know, what kind of things, uh, what are the kind of things that scientists do? You know, why is science important? What are, you know, if you say, oh, I'm a science, scientific man and I, I think science is the way to go and we should use this reason, logic and evidence, much like what I say, why, why should I just say that and not expect these type of questions to be thrown at me? You know, like, uh, like I said, what, why is science important? What are some of the most basic assumptions scientists asks? ask? Uh, what have we figured uh, out using science? Has it been for the benefit of humanity? Has it been for the negative of humanity? What are some of the things we should be able to figure out using science? You know, how is science different from the other fields of study, like philosophy or sociology or um, legal studies? You know, what are some of the branches of science? Uh, how would our lives be different if we didn't have science or if no one thought scientifically? What are some of the limitations of science? Can science solve all our problems? These are all deep, meaningful, and important questions that people with different mindsets and different viewpoints should be probed and should be asked. And we need to do this with each other so we, number one, understand where the person's coming. And number two, the person talking to you will be able to fully, you know, manifest their ideas once, once a person's, you know, once their ideas are put on, you know, well, not really on blast, but kind of kind of put on blast, and they're asked these type of questions. You know, you are forced to reason without reading, without uh, uh, you know a book or the lecture notes or any of this stuff to get you through. You have to reason on your own. So when you get into a relationship with someone and you you might face some of these questions or these type of questioning, unknowing where the, you know the person might not know the Socratic dialogue, you might not know it either. But these questions, you know, deep, important, complex questions that have importance and, and they really touch on the meaning of life and the importance of, of, of our effort. You know, these questions are foundational and um, we have to have a way to ask and, and ask these questions with, with, the, with the most accuracy and precision. You know, and um, this comes down to like, you know, what's, what's really education? You know, this is, this is a form right now, what we're doing right now, this conversation, this is a form of education. You know, but at the same time, it isn't, you know, because what is what's the difference between, you know, indoctrination, training and socialization? You know, these are these are all different things that people might equate with education. You know, my people might say, well, this type of education is indoctrination or it's socialization or training. So let's kind of break that down real quick. You know, uh, definition of train is to form by instruction, discipline or drill to teach so as to make fit, qualified or proficient. 
you know, we got vocational training schools and it's, you know, school that prepares people and uh, for particular occupations. Indoctrinate. This is another definition to imbue, uh, to imbue with usually a partisan or sectarian opinion, point of view or principle. Partisan meaning a firm adherent to a party, faction or cause or person, especially one exhibiting blind, prejudiced or unreasoned, unreasoning, uh, allegiance. Sectarian, uh, of relating to or characteristic of a sect or sectarian limited in uh, character or scope, um, or a narrow or bigoted person. Um, so you can see how you can see the definition of indoctrination and, and training. They're not anything uh, alike. And finally, socialize. You know, socialize is to adapt to social needs or uses to uh, to fit or train for a social environment. You know, social of or relating to human society. You know, the interactions of the individual and the group, uh, or the welfare of human beings as members of society. Society and enduring. Um, cooperating social group whose members have uh, developed organized patterns of relationship through interactions with one another. So I, this is a definition uh, here, but I would, I would say that a society is just groups of individuals working together, working together through cooperation and competition. <coughs> you know, and a definition of educate uh, is uh, to develop mentally, morally, or aesthetically, especially in instruction, uh, mental of or relating to the emotional and error and or intellectual response of an individual to his environment, moral, of or relating to the principles of right and wrong and behavior, and aesthetics. Uh, this is kind of breaking down the definition. Aesthetics is a branch of philosophy dealing with the nature of beauty, the nature of art and taste. You know, the, these conceptual tools uh, that critical thinking brings to the Socratic questioning, you know, analyzing thought, you know, that's a, that's a critical tool. And it focuses on the parts of the thinking, you know, um, assessing the thought. You know, focuses on the standards for thinking, um, analyzing uh, questions by, by by system. You know, distinguishing between questions of preference, fact, and judgment, and making sure that these questions are well tailored. Um, developing prior questions, focusing on questions we would need to answer before we could answer more complex questions. You know, uh, um, and you know, the last thing is identifying a domain with complex questions. You know, focusing on questions. We would need to answer within different subject areas or disciplines to adequately address complex issues. You know, and you know, to formulate questions that probe thinking in a disciplined and productive way, we need to understand thinking, how it works and how it should be assessed. You know, it's critical thinking that provides the tools for doing this, for analyzing and assessing reasoning. Um, this is why understanding critical thinking is essential to effective Socratic dialogue. You know, um, we need to understand the conceptual tools that critical thinking brings to Socratic questioning, and we need to foster individuals like ourselves and others to understand them through conversation, through Socratic dialogue. Um, you know, and um, this is this is where this is where things you know uh, you know stop right now, and we have to kind of look back at what we talked about because there's a lot of information and a lot of points of views that. I brought into the discussion and a lot of history and relevance of uh, some ancient things that were, you know, used and taught before. But, you know, I, I mentioned, you know, who is Socrates and why is he important? But, you know, it's it's so much it's so much more than that because, you know, he he claimed the contradiction. I know that I know nothing and but he provided us with a method to help us question what we think we know and, you know, to demonstrate otherwise. Um, he believed that the unexamined life wasn't worth living. 
and he believed that it was his job to examine it. And uh, this is this is how we get to truth. This is how we find out what's important and uh, where we're going. So you know how do we how do we argue using this? You know, we talked about the principles. We talked about the foundations. We talked about its its connections with critical thinking. Why it's important to, to you know to marry these two, but. You know, how do we actually argue this? You know, so the first thing, you know, you want to do when you're in an argument with somebody is sum up the person's argument. You know, identify what the other person is arguing. For example, someone might say it's uh, best to give your money uh, away than spending it. Often people will believe that they're, you know, exposing common sense. No one would disagree with them. Um, so then, you know, you would have to say, OK, so you're, what you're saying is and then <laughs> – which is kind of a funny thing, a funny meme lately – but uh, you know, you, you say you do this, so you say this to the person, and if they agree with you, then obviously we both agree on their argument. Cool. Then from there, you ask for evidence. Well, why do you believe it to be true? You know, things we talked about earlier. Some of the questions, you know, the, uh, the questions of accuracy and and precision. You know, why do you believe that? Please explain the reasoning. You know, where is this coming from? You know, uh, before beginning to really challenge the point of view, you know, you should ask them about where they're coming from. The evidence, you know, a person might, you know, realize like, oh, uh, I have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm not really critically thinking about this. This is just something I believe inherently. Okay, and we can move on and and kind of, uh, you know, move to the next place. Um, but like, uh, you know, cha- you want to challenge their assumptions. You know, you want to you want to make sure that say, you know, make sure like, uh, but are you assuming that you know X, Y, and Z will lead to this outcome, or are you assuming you know, making sure that the assumptions are not interfering um, with the actual uh, truth or the, the person being able to, you know, see the truth. You know, and then you have to find an exception to the, you know, to what a person might be saying. Um, but then from there, you can ask the person to reformulate the argument. And uh, from there, you know, they, continue, they could continue to ask, you could continue to ask questions and raise uh, exceptions. Uh, but the main thing is to avoid being uh, gross, avoid being nasty. Um, make sure you mention that, hey, I'm just playing devil's advocate. I'm just trying to understand all sides of your thinking. These types of phrases you know, uh, are very uh, important so you don't feel like – the other person doesn't feel like uh, you know, you're trying to attack them. You know, in the Socratic method, it's not by – it's not meant to – it's not about you know, really proving people wrong. You know, you know, we don't want to be aggressive in your questioning at all. You know, if your goal is, you know, is to win, um, Socrates isn't the way to go. Sophists are much more uh, better at that. Um, indeed, uh, but you know, it's it's meant to be humble. It's it's not meant to be like gotcha. I got you right now with a uh, with your with your uh, with your point of view. I, I got you now. I'm gonna I'm gonna totally break it down. That's not the that's not why this was developed. This is not why. This uh, this happens, and it's not why we should be looking at this today and using this stuff, because it's not about uh, proving your, your parents, or your friends, your teacher, uh, your, your significant other wrong. It's not about showing them the errors in their way. It's about um, finding truth, and that's that's what we need to do, you know. But it's um, it's interesting, you know. Uh, you have Socrates and all the people. After him, who were influenced by him, like Aristotle, Plato, Zeno of Sicium, who created the school of Stoicism, um, 
all these people were were influenced by Socrates and they're all his students and all learn from him um, in one way or another. Um, and you see you see this these uh, these things, you know, you see the methods, you see the principles and you look around you and you try to understand, well, how are these principles, how are they being used in the everyday world around me? How is this, you know, are they, are people doing this stuff? Are people, you know, using first principles thinking and are people using the Socratic method and uh, trying to understand things? Well, you know, uh, Yes, they are. And uh, this kind of goes into the inward, you know, Socratic questioning, the inward Socratic method. You know, um, Musk, Elon Musk, uh, one of the richest people in the world who, who owns SpaceX, is an entrepreneur, um, uh, Tesla, you know, Solar City. Um, the man is uh, doing phenomenal things and is uh, – you know, building great companies that have a lot of uh, future. SpaceX actually just uh, I think is worth thirty billion now. So I think he's I think he's officially the third largest uh, tech company um, in the world. So that's <laughs> food for thought. But uh, Elon Musk talked about first principles and reasoning, and he said, uh, "Well, I do think there's a good framework for thinking. You know, it is physics. You know, the sort of first principles reasoning. Generally, I think there are what I mean." Uh, what I mean by that is boil things down by the fundamental truths and reason up from there as opposed to reasoning by analogy or through most of my life we get through life by reasoning by analogy which is essentially means of copying what other people do with slight variations. So this is this is very interesting and, and uh, very uh, telling because you could see that you know Musk used these, uses these types of uh, methods to – get himself and get his businesses and his life, move them forward. So some of the, you know, some of the things Elon Musk uh, said himself, he talked about three steps to first principles thinking, which is used in mathematics, science, and philosophy. And, you know, obviously Socrates was one of the progenerators in, of this in philosophy. Um, you know, but the first step is to identify and define your current assumptions. You know, look inward. You know, Einstein said, if I had an hour to solve a problem, I'd spend 55 minutes about the problem and five minutes thinking about the solution. You know, um, here, you know, some examples. You know, growing my business will cost a lot of money. I will have to struggle and starve to become a, you know, a successful artist. I can't just uh, find enough time to work out and reach my weight loss goals. I mean, all these are, are different types of, you know, um, Current assumptions that we need to, you know, check, you know, and, and we're faced with uh, familiar problems or challenges. You know, we have to write our assumptions down. Uh, I think that's a really, really important thing. And uh, I think, you know, the next step after you write them down is, you know, to break down the problem to its fundamental principles. Um, you know, Elon said that it's important to view knowledge as a sort of. Uh, Semantic tree, uh, make sure you understand the fundamental principles, i.e. the trunk and big branches before you get to the leaves and details or there is nothing for them to hang on to. You know, these fundamental principles are basically the most basic truths or elements of anything. You know, the best way to uncover these truths is to ask powerful questions that uncover these uh, these things. You know, an example of what Elon uh, mentioned uh, – 
during his interview with um, Kevin Rose, uh, he said somebody could say uh, battery packs are really expensive and that's just the way they are will always be. Historically, it, is, it has cost uh, $600 per kilowatt hour. It's not going to be much better than that in the future. With first principles, you'd say, what are the material constitutes of the battery? What is the stock market value of the material constitutes? Is it cobalt? It's got cobalt. It's got nickel, aluminum, carbon, some polymers for separation and seal uh, a seal can. Uh, break that down on a material basis and say, if we bought that on the London Metal Exchange, what would it cost for each of those things? It's like $80 per kilowatt hour. So clearly, you need to think of a, cl- of a clever way to take those materials and combine them into a shape of a battery cell, and you can have batteries that are much, much cheaper than anyone realizes. And this is, uh, you know, Elon um, has done this a few different times with a few of his uh, companies. Um, and this is a uh, a principle, a, uh, a fact from uh, Austrian economist uh, Joseph Schumpeter um, in uh, his book. Um, he he just he described uh, something called creative destruction. This is when you know firms, companies would have you know they would get giant, big, overbloated, horrible customer service like we see now. Um, very few limited options, and they've been doing the same thing the same way as long as we can remember. But somebody, an entrepreneur, comes in, changes things up, switches up the the design switches up the fundamentals of how to build things, how to change things, and boom, there is some creative destruction. The big, uh, you know, companies that have been there and comfortable sitting and, you know, getting fat. All of a sudden, uh, the the foundation underneath them is starting to shake because the little guy is coming now with more uh, education, more information, and are doing things that might be, you know, non-conventional. It might be kind of crazy, but. Create some type of uh, – it's a creative force that will destroy the big companies and the lazy companies and the ones that have not innovated. And this is through innovation. This is through reasoning and this is through using first principles thinking and you know, questioning your assumptions and then you know, um, looking into the breakdown of the problem and the fundamental principles. And the third thing you know, Elon talked about was uh, you know, create new solutions from scratch. You know um, – once you've identified and broken down the problems or assumptions into the most basic truths, you can begin to create a new solutions for these, you know, these things. Um, you know, and uh, there's simple ways to do this. You know, the assumption is uh, growing my business will cost too much money, right? So first principles thinking: well, what What do you need to grow a pro? You know, what do you need to grow a profitable? You know, profitable business. Um, I need to sell products or services to more customers. You know, does it have to cost a lot of money to sell to new customers? Not necessarily, you know, but I will probably need access to these new customers inexpensively. Who has this, who has this access or how can you create a win-win deal? I guess I could partner with other businesses that could serve the same customer and split the profits 50-50. Interesting. You know, that, that's an assumption right there and that's how you would break it down through first principles thinking. Another assumption, I just can't uh, find enough time to work out and achieve my weight loss goals. You know, and with first principles thinking, you know, it's like, uh, well, what do you really need to reach your weight loss goals? You know, I, well, I need to exercise more, preferably five days a week for an hour each time. You know, uh, could you lose more weight uh, exercising less frequently? If so, how? You know, perhaps through diet. Possibly I could try a 15-minute workout three times a week, three days a week, excuse me. 
Um, uh, this could be quick, high intensity, full body workouts that will speed up my fat loss in less time. So, uh, you know, these are different, different things and you're breaking down the problems, finding, you know, getting to the fundamental truths of what are the fundamental truths of the problem or issue. And then from there, you're moving into, you know, straight reasoning and finding different solutions to these problems rather than just going with the initial assumption and being like, oh, well, I guess I give up. You know, and then uh, the final assumption we talked about earlier was I have uh, I have to struggle and starve to become a successful artist. You know, first principles thinking would say, you know, what, what do we really need to create great work and make good living as an artist? You know, I would need a reasonably sized audience that will appreciate and buy my artwork. What do you need to reach a larger audience? You know, the answer to that would probably need some marketing, uh, but I don't know how to self-promote. So I'd rather not do this. OK, is there any way for you to promote your work without being sleazy? Yeah. Uh, if uh, the focus of selling my artwork is meaningful with purpose of serving the audience rather than serving myself, then I could make uh, more money and uh, make more art uh, so that I can, uh, I can serve more people. You know, and uh, this is a great article and uh, it's by Mayo Ocean and it's on um, on uh, Medium.com and it's called uh, Elon Musk's Three Steps uh, First Principles Thinking. How to think and solve difficult problems like a genius. And I'll tell you what, um, Elon and it's funny, also the CEO of, uh, of Netflix uses this type of strategy, uh, to, to grow their, uh, their mental f- facilities and, and their, their, their smarts, but also to grow their, their billion dollar businesses and make them more successful and, uh, more interesting. And, um, you know, this is when it comes down to the importance of all this, first principles thinking, Socrates, Socratic questioning. What does this really mean for us? I mean, how, how does this actively make our lives better? How does, this, how, does, how does this conversation you're hearing right now, how does this make your life better? How will this increase your flourishing? How will this increase, you know, your overall um, ability to do things and to go out there? Well, First, um, you know, this will, this will help you and help others. And, uh, this has helped myself, honestly, to, uh, look at your beliefs, your viewpoints, your assumptions, and to actually, uh, question them. To be, uh, to be a, a person that is willing to get feedback, willing to get pushback, but also willing to engage and willing to formulate the ideas, formulate my, my thoughts, and manifest them in the world either by talking or by writing. And, you know, if we can all better develop these skills, we'd be better able to get our points across with people. We'd better able to do what we want to do, better able to succeed. You know, the, the, the examples with Elon Musk and, um, you know, Reed Hastings from, from Netflix and their, and their use of this strategy, the first principle strategy and, you know, which is, which is really internal Socratic questioning, you know, um, rather than external Socratic questioning, they're using this to push themselves forward. And you can learn about that. You can learn from, 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 from people doing uh, better than you. And you can learn from people doing worse off than you. And I think it's important to pay attention to what works and what's been you know, tested. And uh, if anything's been around you know, long enough, it's Socratic questioning. It's in uh, first principles. They've been around for more than 2,000 years. Um, and, uh, they are still around and they still influence the minds and hearts 
of people all over the world and especially people who are successful and who are doing meaningful things and they're changing the world. And these people did not get to the way they're getting to through um, just going by the book and you know just following their uh, intuitions without questioning. The only reason that SpaceX is going to be going to Mars in a few years and that they might be the might be the first uh, you know people to take humans to Mars. You know, you thought it, we thought the government would do that. Now we're hearing a private company would do that. So it's it's fascinating to see that you know. Elon, through this, you know, first principles and through this questioning, through questioning his assumptions, through finding out how to make things cheaper, how to um, find out uh, how to uh, make reusable rockets and, uh, you know, self-propulsion landing and all these different things. He innovated through his with his engineers and his team. He innovated primarily because he used these principles. He figured out, OK, well, what why is space travel so expensive? Oh, it's because we get rid of the rockets when we go up there. Wow. Okay. Well, is there a way to make this cheaper? Is there a way to make the rockets come back down? If rockets, you know, are the main cost, is there a way to save them? Is there a way to, you know, have reusability? And what is Elon doing now? He's building his BFR, his newest rocket that will take us to uh, the moon and Mars in the future. And that rocket is a hundred percent reusable. Unheard of. Unheard of 10 years ago. Unheard of five years ago, really. hundred percent reusability. And this is something we're seeing now on a large scale, can move 150 tons into space, no problem. And um, this is the power of, of Socrates and philosophy. This is, the pro- this is the power of first principle thinking and moving things along. This is how we can use what the ancients said and taught us and use it to, to better our lives and to move society forward and to move you know, our success forward. And um, you know, these are the fundamental principles. This is, this is what we need um, to make the world a better place. If we all applied these principles, how many more people could be doing great things? How many more people could be achieving different things and using the creative destruction of their intellect and their minds to make the world a better place and to, to build a successful company and to become rich and all these great things that all these different people are doing? By applying these different principles. Now, I obviously have to apply these principles and have hard work and responsibility as well. But at the same time, we can't deny that these ideas, these principles, these foundation, uh, these foundational fundamental, fundamental beliefs and, you know, uh, methods work and they're real. Thank you very much. Have a great day.